<laughs> All right, it's already almost quitting time. <clears throat> yeah, I know. That'll 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 make me rush it up. Huh? But uh I just want to share something with you and I hope I don't embarrass anybody, but uh you know, sometimes you you do this and over and over and over again and you wonder uh, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Is anybody being helped by it? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just a little bit ago I had two young people came up on stage and said we want to be baptized. And I said well I want to know if you're saved. And they said yes. And I said, when? They said, about two weeks ago, sitting out here, we made Jesus our Savior. And uh, that makes it all worthwhile. I hope that when my turn goes comes to move out of this world and on into heaven, and by the way, I hope that's at the rapture, but... uh, Either way, I hope somebody will be up there that will say, Hey, y'all, hey, y'all, here comes old Howard. And uh, that's a nickname that Abby gave me a few years ago, old Howard. And she got it right. (laughs) Although I wasn't that old then. Anyway, Nehemiah chapter 3 and verse 29 We're still working on the gates and we're coming almost up to the end of them. we got uh, at least one more to go. But verse 29, it says, After them repaired Zadok, the son of Imer, over against his house. After him repaired Shimei, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate. We just read some names. Any of you planning on raising more children, there's you some names. You can name some of them. But anyway, the east gate. Uh, these walls and gates, of course, were literal walls and literal gates, but every one of them has a spiritual application to them for us. And this east gate speaks to us of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's, it's very exciting to me. Uh, when we were in Israel, uh, we saw that east gate and it sealed. A uh, fellow by the name of Solomon the Magnificent. That sounds like a wrestler, don't it? Solomon the Magnificent. He had it sealed, and it hasn't been unsealed since then, but the reason he had it sealed was that he had heard that Israel's king would come through that gate, and uh, also they put a Muslim cemetery there by that gate because they also heard that no holy man would walk through and come in contact with dead bodies. 
well, I don't know what he's going to do, but I know in the upper room after he was resurrected, he walked through closed doors. And uh, I know that he has the power just to blow that gate open with his word or just walk through it. But he is coming and he is going in that gate. They tell us that when Jesus rode into Jerusalem uh, on the colt, the ass's colt that day, uh, that he, what we call Palm Sunday, that he went through this east gate. It's a gate that led right up to the uh, temple. And as I said, it's sealed now, but uh, we find in Ezekiel, and by the way, I've got a lot of scriptures, but I typed them out so I won't be turning, and you're not going to be able, unless you're good at uh, sword drills, you won't be able to keep up, but if you want to write them down, you can. Ezekiel chapter 43 tells us that in a vision, Ezekiel saw the glory of the Lord come into the house by way of the east gate. And then Zechariah 14.4 says, And his feet shall stand in that day on the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and, on, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and the west. So when Jesus ascended up uh, from the earth, he ascended from the Mount of Olives. And when he comes back, he's coming to the Mount of Olives. And it's going to be split How's he going to do that? I don't know. But it's going to be split uh, half in two, one side going one way and one the other way. But uh, there are three things connected to his coming that I wanted to discuss this morning, and I'll do this as quickly as possible. But uh, there is the, the rapture, and then there's the tribulation, and then his second advent, his coming to the earth. Uh, they repaired the east gate then. And I'm telling you that we live in a day and age when we need to repair our east gate. We need to uh, talk about it. We need to preach it. We need to teach it. Uh, I can remember when I was a young man uh, just a couple of years ago, Growing up, when we had revival, sometimes the evangelist would announce that on such and such a night that he was going to preach on the second coming of Christ. And when that night came, that church would be full of people because people were hungry to hear about Jesus coming uh, back to this world. And, you know, we'd say, well, is there any proof? Yes, there are. I'm glad you asked. Jesus Himself said in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself that where I am, there ye may be also. So Jesus said He was coming back. And then the angels uh, witnessed it in, in uh, the first chapter of Acts when Jesus was ascending and the disciples were standing there looking up 
watching him as he went out of sight and a couple of angels came on the scene and said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heavens? This same Jesus which is taken up from you shall so come again in like manner as you have seen him go away. So Jesus believed he was coming again. That's good enough for me. And the angels knew that he was coming again and that too is good enough for me. But uh, this was this is not what you would call a feel-good sermon. The uh, sermons on the east gate on the second coming of Christ were long before make me feel good with your sermon ever came along, ever thought about being. We're not commissioned to make folks feel good. We're commissioned to preach the Word, reprove, rebuke. Boy, that's strong words. And, and if it don't make you feel good, repent. <laughs> it's as simple as that. I tell folks, you know, you're no better than me. Whenever I was building this sermon, the Lord was getting on my toes, and now I'm going to give it to you. Let him get on yours for a while. But uh, in uh, Luke chapter 21, verses 34 and 36, it says, And take heed to yourself, lest at any time your heart be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day may come upon you unawares. For as a snare it shall come on all them that dwell on the face of the earth. Watch ye therefore, and pray always that ye may be counted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. So the rapture will be imminent, and that just simply means it, it can be at any moment. As the song says, in the twinkling of an eye, it can happen uh, any moment. It's imminent. There are no signs of the rapture. There are no prophecies to be fulfilled uh, that I know of in the Bible before the rapture can happen. And so, it can happen today. Uh, it can happen before we get through here. It can happen this afternoon. We, we just don't know. But I can see the world building up for it. And uh, I, I, I don't see things associated necessarily with the rapture. I see things happening that will be happening during the tribulation and we won't be here at the tribulation. So that tells me that soon we're out of here. We're out of here. Old James, James chapter 5 verse 8 and 9 said, Be ye also patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. That was way back there when the Bible was written. When James wrote his book, he says, It draws nigh. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And then in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verses 11 and 12, he said, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness looking for and hastening unto the coming day of God? Then Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says, uh, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, 
but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 and 3 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Aren't you glad of that? You're a son of God right now. It's not something you're waiting to be. You are now the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself, even as He is pure. What am I saying? What is the Scripture saying? That uh, this doctrine of the second coming of Christ will purify your life. I don't mean within itself, but I mean it will make you want to uh, get right with God where you're wrong. Uh, it will make you want to get back in fellowship with God where you have been out of fellowship uh, with God and get back in. Uh, the Bible tells us that when this rapture comes, and by the way, the word rapture is not found in the Bible, but it is taught in the Bible. And it's a good word. Not a thing in the world wrong with it. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16 and 17, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And as I said, this, this has happened suddenly. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 52, it says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. How quick is twinkling of an eye? I don't do anything quick anymore. I sure don't run as fast as I used to. Not even when my wife is after me. <laughs> but I can still twinkle my eye Pretty quick. I just did. You didn't see it, did you? But that, that's how quick it's going to happen in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. And so uh, it's, it's going to be suddenly. And our loved ones who are already with Christ are going to come back with Christ. And the dead bodies is going to be raised incorruptible, and that soul and body is going to be reunited. Just like that. And we that are alive and remain, we're going to be changed. Uh, we won't have the aches and the pains that we already have. We won't have the bad eyesight and the things that, that go along with aging. Uh, that we have here in this this world, you know. Especially recently, in the last few years, we hear a lot of questions about: uh, Do you believe there's life out there in the stars somewhere? I sure do. Not where you might think, but I know there's life out there. I know that that's where Jesus went when He left this old world. 
I have a mom and a daddy over there. And old, old Abraham, uh, the Bible says, Abraham looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And then old John out there on the Isle of Patmos said he saw the, the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down, descending from God out of heaven to earth. Yes, there's life out there. Our loved ones that have passed on in the Lord, that knew the Lord as their Savior, they're out there. They're living up there, not on earth. And thank God one day, through the grace and the mercy of God, I'm, I'm going to move up there. I'm leaving this old world. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Jesus said, lay not up for yourselves treasures on this earth. Lay them up in heaven. I've got people over there. That's a place where there is no sickness. No prayer list. No hospitals. No doctor's appointments. You know, when this COVID came around, they said, we want everybody to stay home. And I told my wife, I said, well, that's pretty much what we've been doing all along except going to church and going to the doctor. So that wasn't much of a change for us. <laughs> but I'm glad that up there, we won't have any of that to... Uh, to contend with. And here's the sad part. When the rapture occurs, some people are going to be left behind. Those who are not ready. Those who have left the Lord out of their lives. Those who have uh, rejected Him as their Savior. Those who have tried some way to save themselves. You say, Brother Howard, do people really do that? Yes. And after we're out of here, then this whole world is going to experience seven years of tribulation. The Bible tells us in Matthew 24, 21, Jesus said these words, For then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Every believer will leave this world at the rapture because every one of us are going to stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ. And if every one of us are going to stand there, then every one of us has to be there. We're going to be there. But the unbelievers are going to be left behind. And you know, when you take the church out of this world. You see how bad it is right now and how bad it's getting. That stuff that's going on that you watch on television is demonic. I'm telling you, it is. That Black Lives Matter, it's not a peaceful organization. It's a demonic organization. And some of the others that go around burning and looting and trying to intimidate uh, people that if you have a brain, they're going to try to intimidate you and scare you. But the Bible says that we 
God's people, every believer, we are the salt of the earth. And salt is a preserving thing. And my wife gets on to me about eating so much salt. And I tell her, I said, honey, you just don't know how long I'm going to live from eating all this salt because it is a preservative. When I see a salt shaker, I just automatically assume that what I'm about to consume needs salt. So I put it on there. I have gotten in trouble with that a time or two and got too much salt. But the Bible says salt is good. <laughs> and I like it. It is good. And it preserves. <laughs> we used to, you know, you've heard of salt cured pork. I can remember the old farmers doing that with their pork. When they'd butcher a hog, they, they didn't take it to the slaughterhouse. They did it themselves. They'd pick a cold morning and uh, when it was going to be cold or a cold night, and they'd pack that thing in salt and cure it out. But when that salt, when the salt of the earth is taken out of here, things are going to deteriorate fast. If I was a lost person and looking at the way things are going today and realizing that Jesus could come at any moment in the twinkling of an eye, I would want to find my way to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and beg Him. Well, you don't have to beg, but I would beg Him for salvation to save my soul and forgive my sin. I would not want to be alive here during that tribulation period. I believe that when we're gone, when that happens, the world is finally going to realize how valuable a Christian is who has the Holy Spirit working in his life. During that time, we're going to have real global warming. The Bible tells us in the Revelations that the waters will be turned to blood and the sun will scorch men with fire. Uh, those people in California who have experienced so much fire, I imagine they're tired of it. All the smoke and all the heat and uh, the bad uh, breathing and everything. But the Bible tells us that during that tribulation period that uh, men will be scorched with fire with heat and with fire, and that no flesh could be saved unless the days are shortened. So the Lord, to me, that means the day, the daylight time when the sun is shining the brightest, it'll be shortened to give them maybe a little bit of relief. But the purpose of the tribulation will be to bring Israel back to God. There are so many people today who want to destroy Israel. But the tribulation will culminate at the battle of Armageddon where the king himself will defeat all of those armies who have assembled there to destroy Israel. And the Lord will deliver Israel and will rule and reign in this world for a thousand years. He won't need Hillary's help. He won't need any of the Republicans' help. He won't need the Supreme Court. He's going to be the Supreme. The Supreme Ruler. And He's going to rule the world in righteousness. And the Bible says we will rule and reign with Him. 
I don't know, he probably put me on the street sweeping with a broom. But that's all right. If that's what he wants me to do, I'll do that with joy in my heart just to be able to serve with him. Question is, are you ready? Are you ready? Salvation is not just an outside thing. It's an inward thing. The Bible tells us in, I think it's in the Gospel of Matthew, about the ten virgins. Jesus said five were wise and five was foolish. You couldn't tell any difference in them. They, they were all virgins until the sound came that, or the announcements that the bridegroom was come and to get themselves ready. And the wives got up and trimmed their lamps and uh, lit them. And the foolish, the Bible tells us, didn't have any oil in their lamps. The oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And that tells me that the only resemblance they had was all outward. There was nothing inward. They didn't have any oil. They were burning the wick. There's a lot of people who think that they're okay because their name is on a church book. Or they're okay because they gave to the March of Dimes. Or they're okay because of whatever, whatever good deed you can think of. Surely the Lord would honor me. But you know, the Bible tells us that those wise virgins went in and the door was closed. Later on, the foolish virgins came and said, let us in. He said, I don't know you. I don't know you. So I said all that to say this, salvation is an inner thing. You're not saved by works. You're not saved by good deeds. You're not saved by good looks. Thank God. <laughs> but you're saved by the grace and mercy of Christ and the, and the finished work that He did on the cross. Jesus said that in that day many would come to Him and say, Lord, Lord, have we not cast out demons in Your name? And, and we've done many wonderful works. And then He said, I will say unto them, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. That's a sad passage of Scripture. That's a picture of people who thought they were going to heaven by their good deeds. And then they were told they were going to hell. I never knew you. Jesus is coming. And it may be today. This may be your last opportunity to make a decision in your life to place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. And I hope you will do that as we stand for the closing hymn. Heavenly Father, I've poured my heart out. I've done all that I can do. And now I turn the service over to You and give this invitation to You and ask You, Lord, to do what I'm unable to do and that is to bring conviction to a lost heart that they would come and trust You as their Savior and their Lord. And Lord, if there are Christians here that we've been lazy, we've been uh, 
negligent in our lives. Maybe there are things that has crept into our lives that shouldn't be. Lord, this hope of the coming of Christ ought to purify us and draw us closer to You. We pray, Lord, that You would make it happen. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Number 124, the little book. 124. Holy name we 